with Protectors Toolkit, Christian Safety and Security Made Simple. I'm so thankful you're joining us tonight. Whether you're watching us live right now, I'm glad that you're here, or if you're watching this in a replay, whether it's in your car or on your cell phone or on your laptop, I'm glad you're joining us for this special, special edition of Warrior Wednesday. I've got two great, great Christian friends with me tonight that are going to be joining us, and we're going to talk about safety and security for your fall and your winter events. I think that's something important to be planning for now as we get into those months and we have those type of activities that we're going to probably have at our churches we're going to talk about that at the end of the broadcast tonight i'm also going to give you seven ideas or seven encouragements for how you can have a safer and more secure outdoor fall and winter uh, event the events that you have at your location but let's get some biblical guidance here as we always do a protector's toolkit uh, for you warriors out there, Proverbs 18:15 tells us an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. In the easy to read version of the Bible, sometimes the one I have to go to to understand some of the big words, it says it this way. Wise people want to learn more, so they listen closely to gain knowledge. And that's what we're really all about here at Protector's Toolkit. For you warriors out there, and I call it warriors because it's plain. The Lord is his name, and I know that I'm made in his image just like you are. So it's very plainly put to us that we are warriors. And if you're going to show up to your church and provide safety and security, when those people come through your doors, the guests, the visitors, uh, the staff, and they're getting comfort, refuge, worship, and learning at your environment, and you're providing a safe and secure environment for them to be in, you are a warrior standing guard, standing watch against the savage lions and the roaring, uh, the, the roaring lions and the savage wolves that have been told they're coming against us. So thank you for being a warrior. And again, thank you for being here tonight. So I'm going to introduce a couple people to you, uh, people that have just blessed my life, um, uh, Jason Hensley and his wife, Heidi. They are at Shadow Mountain Church out in California. That's Dr. David Jeremiah's church, if you want to point a reference there. Uh, huge church, big, big size church. And I, I want to talk to them about this all important event because they do have a ton of events at their campus. So let me introduce Jason for you. Uh, Jason serves as the director of safety at Shadow Mountain Community Church. Uh, prior to that, he was a police officer in California for almost 15 years. Some of his, his assignments included school resource officer, gangs, public information officer, SWAT, and active shooter instructor. Uh, prior to law enforcement, he also pastored two churches in the Central Valley of California. And his wife, Heidi, uh, you know, Heidi's been a kids pastor for over 23 years and currently serves as the executive children's director at Shadow Mountain Community Church in San Diego, California, where they have all the nice weather. She's a mom of two boys and a wife to Jason. Uh, that's probably a mom to three boys, if I'm reading that right. She enjoys getting to coach and speak as time allows and especially right in her downtime, she loves to surf and just be at the beach with her family. So to you, Jason and Heidi, thank you so much for being here tonight. That's a pleasure. Thanks for having us. So Heidi, you know, I want to kind of get into this just a little bit. How tough is it to be the beauty and the brains in your life? <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't tell him that. He thinks he's got that locked down, so. I got you. I, I, it's probably the same in my house now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> So we do want to talk about, you know, safety and security for fall in the, in the winter events, whether it's an outdoor event or an, in, or an inside event. Um, 
we want to talk about that a little bit. We especially we want to talk a little bit from the kids' angle too. And that you know, Heidi, you're just a, a an expert. What I would con consider an expert in that. You know, the, a lot of these events will bring a lot of the unchurched uh, to our doors and through our doors, and that includes the kids. Um, so we want to make sure that we have advanced planning in this and we have the right mindset for safety and security. And then for you viewers at home, again, just stay tuned. At the end of this, I'm going to have seven ideas on improving the safety and security uh, for your fall and winter events. So let's kind of define what we're talking about here. Some of, the, some of the events I've seen at churches around here, some of the events our church has, and maybe some at Shadow Mountain are the same thing. We have a trunk or treat. Uh, for Thanksgiving, we have a, a feast of giving or food serving uh, to the homeless. Um, at Christmas time, we have uh, extra services uh, for those people, you know, we knew attended our church, but we hadn't seen them uh, for the first 11 months, and now they're here for Christmas uh, service. Uh, live nativity scenes uh, at our churches. Uh, we're getting a lot of new people. Christmas plays we may be having within our church, skits, stuff like that. So uh, any, anything that just stands out there right away for you all that something different or something you all do at your church as well? I think it's kind of sounds similar. We have the, the very special Christmas services that draw the community. Um, it, it sounds like we're in the same boat as far as pulling in community, trying to introduce people to the church at an opportune time. Um, so it, and it's a heavy mix. Even, even I think our community, our heavy community outreach pieces, they're still, they pull in our regular core families too. So it's a little mix of everybody. Heidi's also really intentional on the programming that they do or events that they do, that it's going to bring it back into the weekend. Yes. Very good. Uh, the, the pastor that uh, Heidi uh, spent many of her years under in, in Stockton, Mark Mafucci, used to call these win events. And I love the thought and concept of that because it is the ability to reach out to the unsaved community and then to bring them into your congregation. Yeah, sure, sort of like a, a no risk, come in and try it because it's Christmas and we're all in the spirit, right? Uh, come in and try it. There, there's no, um, we're not going to hit you over the head with a hammer about Jesus and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. I think I think these are the events, and I like how you, how he put it and how you guys put it. It's a win event. You know, if we can just get you through the doors and let you see that that church is not a big scary place and something to be afraid of, because quite frankly, I think I think we all operate in sometimes in, in some sort of fear. Uh, but if we can come into these spaces like this in a church and understand that everybody around me is just like I am right? Um, they're not special. Nobody's walking around with halos and angel wings and all that kind of stuff. So it does make it a real win event. I, I just love that. So so the same type of events, Heidi, at Shadow Mountain. Um, I see you coming in, Carson Cummings. Awesome. I'm glad you're here. So Carson, uh, do you see more or different types of kids at these events um, outside of your regular church attendance? We do. We see it's a combination of you have our core families and the whole goal is that, you, like you said, you're introducing them to church. So the ideal situation is that they're bringing an unchurched family with them and you have kids who have never been exposed to church or church functions and they're there with their parents. But the reality wherever I have served is you have the neighborhood kids who just kind of see a party happening. And in Stockton, we had lots of inner city neighborhood kids that just kind of made their way there. They have no parent supervision. Nobody notices if if they're gone or if they're there. Um, so it's it really is a mix. And I would say that's true even here. It's churched, unchurched, and then a, a ton of unsupervised kids who have just decided that they saw bright lights and they're heading on over. 
Yeah. So, so I, there's got to be some special struggles with that, though, too, right? What, what are some of the, the special struggles you guys see with that? Uh, special struggles would be for me personally, as a parent and as a kids ministry leader, you know, you notice who these kids are. Um, usually we try to notice who they are because it's not a check in, check out event. And so you're just taking a mental note of where are they? Are they safe? Are they wandering off into a dark corner? Um, Jason's team does a really good job of securing a perimeter. So if we do have that situation, they're aware. Um, and then kids getting separated from parents is probably the thing we deal with the most. We have a pretty good, we have a great team of guys who are both on duty and off duty, just keeping an idea and an eye on things for safety. But, um, kids getting separated from parents. And, you know, that comes into making sure that our staff has eyes on everybody, that we have a process that we know how to respond to that. And we're getting it on the radio as soon as we can. Yeah. Cause yeah. Certain events are different. Those kind of events are different than like what we would do, what we call summer blast or a traditional yeah. PBS. Um, and that's stuff you and I have actually talked about in, in past mm -hmm. episodes, but um you know, one of the things that Heidi does is she'll, she includes all the other ministries that are involved in the event. So whether student ministry and the junior high ministry, the safety team, we all will come in and she kind of plans and, and then each one, like my team, then we'll step away and we'll come up with our own op plan. And then we'll come back to that organizational meeting with everybody around the table and say, this is what we're going to do in order to create a safe environment for um, parents, family, congregation uh, for this event. Yeah. And that, you know, that brings up a great point. I think sometimes in the church, we get into our own little silos, right? So safety and security is there in their silo. Children's is in their silo. Uh, pastoral is in their silo. Um, uh, the behind the scenes, the audiovisual, they're on their own little silo. And if we if we do that, if we operate in that space like that, then we're and we're not communicating to one another, then we are definitely going to see some breakdown, especially in communication and and definitely breakdown in execution of the plan overall. If we're operating in those silos. So that, that's a perfect uh, call out. Yeah. So, uh, Jason, I know you You and I have talked quite a bit. We've been on this together a couple of times. I know a little bit about your team. I, I probably know a lot a, a bit about your team um what uh but in these type of specific events the fall events that you know the thanksgivings the trunk or treats the the christmas events what are some of the what are some of the unique challenges you and your team face that that other churches are probably going to face well i mean I, I, it's a great question i think that it, it's it is communicating with whatever department that's is the lead on it for i mean obviously we do a lot with children's ministry but um you know, we want to come, we want to, first of all, get the structure and, and see who they're, what their target is, what they're attempting to do. And, you know, Heidi or who, what other ministry is involved in it will say, hey, this is going to be a free coming and going. It, that obviously in itself changes yeah. our approach to safety. If it's like a BBS kind of format where those kids are in our, you know, our circle, our area that we're wanting to protect, it's a different set of circumstances. So for us, we want to know what the event is, uh, the purpose of that event. And, you know, we kind of create um, a structure um, mm -hmm. that's going to allow us to then um, meet the needs of, to make that event successful. And yeah. so I think that's one of the big ones for us. Um, as we've talked about in prior episodes, um, it's, it's simple actually for both of us. Heidi has a super solid team that she can depend on and she can 
they'll round table children's ministry round table and I can take it four or five or six of my guys in round table and say, this is the event that we have got that we're going on. We're supporting children's ministry or whatever it is. And so it's not just Jason coming up with it. And that's one of the things, you know, that we've talked about it. Heidi's actually excellent at, at leading teams and it's not only just kids ministry, but it could be something much larger than that. Well, um, and it's, it's not just, leading teams, you know, you had pointed out the different types of events and the different situations that you're going to run into. We all do these kinds of events and whether your church is a hundred or, you know, 20,000, whatever it is, uh, once you've established the process, you know, at summer blast, I'll have 1500 kids on campus without their parents for an entire day for five days a week. So I need to know that the person that I've brought on, which is usually him to create the, the procedure of a missing child, he has the authority to handle that. Um, they're not coming and pulling me out of a room or off a stage if I have a missing child. Now I know about it most of the time, but I also know that I've given the proper authority to those team members to handle the situation You know, with that policy. That equipping and empowering your team is honestly the key to great events and keeping kids safe. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, we're, we're going to get into that here a little bit later about, you know, empowering the lines of communication. How do we yeah. who, who and, and command and control who is in command and control overall, but who also has the same authority so that, you know, that's perfect. You know, Heidi, you'd also unpack a little bit about what I think is so important. I think protectors are, are wanting to know this question, too is what is the procedure for a lost kid? What is what does that look like at Shadow Mountain? What is what does good look like? Um, good looks like so we'll start with um, a weekend service. If I have a weekend service, typically there's going to be a thousand kids in our presence or roughly there, you know, that amount. Uh, we transition. So we go from large group to small group. So kids are moving about our building. Um, if we have our procedure is that the teacher counts the kids um, by name and then counts them again at arrival. So there's, there's always that double number of comparison. Um, if they get to point B and point B has a different number than what you left with in point A, the first thing that they're going to do is my leaders will get on our classroom walkie talkies and say, does somebody have an extra kid? I'm missing Emily or whoever. Most of the time, I would say 90% of the time it solves itself at that level. If it doesn't solve that the, at that level, they radio one of my staff members who immediately puts it out to security. We don't have, for years I had a wait time because we didn't want to inflict panic, you know. Sure. Um, but our campus is so open that if within a few minutes nobody can account for a child, it is an immediate report over to um, to Jason's team. Wow, yeah, that's, that's perfect, you know. Um... It, 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 it can't, especially with those large open campuses like that. And, and I think some churches still operate in that in that regard by design. They have to because of size and scope uh, or just that's how they've always done it. And you have to be quick on, you know, at the inception point where where this happened and then get the word out as quick as possible. And, and, and understand that we, you know, we don't need to panic, but we need to operate efficiently at this point. And then when yeah. we come in, um, we'll start, you know kind of like the law enforcement piece. You start where it, where the la the child was last seen and we just start expanding our grid from there. Um, mm -hmm. and that's where, you know, Heidi's team is really, um, they, we can all jump on the same radio. So that's the communication piece, mm -hmm. which is great. 
so we're all able to communicate and uh, then we start sending additional resources in to start trying to find kiddos. But I mean, we've been fortunate um, over the years that within, I don't know if 10, 10 minutes or less, even if a kid has just gone completely crazy rogue, um, that we're able to pull them in. Yeah. The, the other thing that my team does before it hits him is uh, if we, if child has been missing from point A to point B, the first thing that is checked is if there are any um, uh, uh, custody issues sure. in that classroom. Wow. Um, and that's something that our leaders have right there on the clipboard. Uh, they know if they have kids with custody issues. That's the first thing we check. Um, five, six years into serving at Quail Lakes Baptist, I had, I had a kid picked up from large group back before we did computer check-in. Um, and it was a dad who did not have custody and he took her and he left. And that traumatized me as a leader. So that's sure. something to pay attention to. Yeah, I, I think um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know just talking to various uh, church insurance companies that that is one of the highest payouts they do is mishandling of kids or hurt kids uh, for, as far as church um, insurance goes. So yeah, it's, it's definitely an, an important part of what we do. Yeah. I know this will surprise you coming from me and what I do, but um, there's times that I joke that Heidi's OCD when it comes to her policies and procedures <laughs> and stuff. And, but, but on the flip side, it is a good thing too, because that's what, you know, creates that higher standard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're, if you are setting the bar that high that, you know, we're not ever going to have a lost kid or a hurt kid in our facility, um, then, you know, that's what we need to do with kids. It's it's a precious resource. I mean, you saw, we see in the Bible how how precious they were just by the the way Jesus interacted with kids. So we, we know it's a it's a high high dollar commodity, so to speak. Yeah. Very good. So Heidi, I know you travel around, maybe not so much now, but I know you travel around quite a bit and have traveled around quite a bit. So in your travels to these other locations, these other churches, what are some of the key security issues you see in the in the other children's ministries? Um, some of, you know, maybe top three or top four, what are, you know, what are the, the things that stand out to you the most and things that you've seen? Um, I don't know if you're looking for good or bad, but I'm just going to go with the three that pop in my head. Um, one I think is probably the thing that can paralyze any ministry, no matter how long, how long you've been established, whatever. And it's the one thing I see the most when I do consulting. And that is Churches don't usually fail to have good policies. They fail to enforce them. Yeah. So you usually have a good plan, but you know, maybe the plan is we have computer check-in and that mom who is, I don't know, your senior pastor's wife, do you check her tag when she comes to pick up those pastor's kids? And that's the rule I see broken the most. And the, the part that people don't realize is, Yes, you know that that's who that child should be with. And she probably has the tag. She checked them in. You recognize that. But you're doing two things. You're setting yourself up for failure on the off chance that something happened during the week and there is now a custody issue. There is that possibility. The other damaging part of that is you are you are teaching the guest behind them whose tag you will check that the rules only apply to some people. Yeah. And it's a terrible first impression for a new family to feel like I've been isolated and everybody else here is family, but we don't know you. So we're going to check you. So that's, that's a major one is just following your own rules. Mm -hmm. um, one that uh, I think is probably Before the you jump off that. I think it's important also that um, when that policy, when something falls apart, 
then it always goes back to the leader or whoever's overseeing that, why you weren't following that policy, <laughs> right? And right. then somebody's head's going to roll in the process. Um, and so I think that's an important thing too, um, you know, that you have to be consistent. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, another one that is kind of a secret, if you want to have the best kids ministry safest, but also the sweetest, in my opinion, is you find the person in your church who can remember everybody's name. Um, it it kind of does a couple mm -hmm. things. It, it makes the room. Now, that's not me. I'll be really honest. I have we, we call her our Brianna and she just left my team to homeschool her kids. And so I'm in the midst of replacing her, which breaks my heart, but we are um, able to know that if they come in that front door and Brie is there, she either knows their name or she's going to find it out and never forget it. And it's a great first impression, but it also makes it very clear that you don't come into this space without being known and unsafe people don't like that. So it it's, it's a security thing. Most people would equate that to a hospitality thing, but it really is a security thing. And then the last piece is, I touched on it earlier, is just empowering your people. When you have that kind of a building that is, you know, everybody knows your name kind of thing. Um, when somebody does feel out of place roaming through the building or whatever, um, giving your leaders the proper training and empowering them to just look somebody in the eye and say, hey, I notice I don't normally see you in here. Can I help you? And again, huge point of safety, but also a huge point of connection. So you might find a new volunteer out of it. You also might discourage somebody from being on a, not a great path. So, yeah. Yeah, that's perfect because, you know, I, I think sometimes we feel overwhelmed as a church protector um, that we're not going to see the wolf, you know, we're not going to see the the savage wolves that are, that we've been foretold. You know, we're going to be looking at everybody coming in, and we're going to miss it. Well, quite frankly, those people really stand out. If you are actually paying attention, they will stand out. Though it's almost like they they dress in a highlighter or they have a spotlight shown on them. They stand out because everybody else has the right countenance. They have the right look on their face. Like like yeah. I love being at church. I, I'm overjoyed to be here. I, I love being here. And those ones will not have the right countenance. The right look on their face and they should stick out it almost uh, like i said uh, they're either that someone colored them with a highlighter or they're in, have a spotlight just over top of them and that's that's perfect calling out that you know the staff has to have that empowerment within them to not be too timid to not be too shy uh, and if you're not comfortable approaching it because it's a female on a male situation to at least have the the ability and the capability to get on a radio and get someone over there that can yeah yeah, totally agree. I love, I don't know who put that up at the bottom, but I'm going to steal that. The aggressive hospitality. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we talk about that all the time here. <laughs> um, okay, so you may have already answered this, but I, I want to ask you this one too. If you had the ear, let's let's just say the Protector's Toolkit is the be-all, end-all of church safety and security, which we are. Um, if you had the ear of every children's uh, ministry director or pastor in the United States, because they're going to watch this, what is the one thing you would tell them? <laughs> um, don't be stupid. <laughs> don't be stupid. Yeah. Um, hmm. Wow. That's a loaded. I know. Yeah, right. I have the ear of everybody in charge. What am I going to tell them? I'm going to, it kind of goes back to what I just said, the empowering of volunteers. Um, okay. 
because you need you need people who are comfortable to engage in order to have hospitality in order to have involvement and safety like all of all of that hinges on your ability to let go of some things and as a leader if i have to speak to every new person or if i have to be the person who puts my hands on things i'm going to compromise a lot of situations um if you want a truly safe environment it's it's the first rule is don't be ever be comfortable don't assume that your environment is ever the safest because you have missed something and you will eventually run across it but it's also empower people to continue to help you build that um i as i've consulted over the years that is the thing where a lot of churches um they miss they get comfortable with the way it's always been yep. and then they refuse to let go of things they love to do and you have to if you want to grow and if you want to be safe one of the things heidi does is she does a uh, a yearly or bi-yearly training um and i'll come in and, and speak to all of her volunteers and her staff that kind of stuff and we address the issue of though they're in ministry, they're still called to be trained observers and yeah. paying attention to what's going on around them and, and making those observations. Um, and to just the, the idea of just continuing to train and reinforce that. And it, and it, it might sound like a broken record because it seems like whenever I come in, I'm usually teaching something real similar <laughs> and the same of giving them uh, that, that tool. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's important that, um, those volunteers know and be able to observe what's going on around them. Yeah. I know that at our church, at least, obviously I'm married to the safety director. So there's a little bit of an in there. Um, but I know that I have, I got the the privilege to go. My, one of my friends is the family pastor at Joel Olstein's church, massive right. place. And right. so, I mean, you talk about every, Jason calls them tactical nightmares. You know, those, all those situations, place is crazy to think that you got to keep people safe in there and she invited in the director of security to do some training with her children's ministry people when she got there and she said that he told her that was the first time he had been invited in and mm -hmm. i almost think there's this little bit of this sense of you know you got the you got the officers or the safety people and they're out here they're around the perimeter but how much better would it be if you had a really great relationship with them and you weren't silos in that um your people are going to learn but also your safety guys are going to learn what's going on too because half of the time he would probably get called in thinking something was wrong and that's just part of our program <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. kids running through the halls or you know something like that but we also so, have guys that are on my team that's also on your team yes they I, serve I, in have, our I have she has a SWAT lieutenant that serves in her ministry. He's the uh, safest three-year-old class ever. Yeah. In the nursery, uh, just before quarantine, she had um, two special ops in the same classroom holding babies. So, wow. yeah, it's pretty well, cool. We're not, just, we know, we're not just good at growing beards. You know that, right? <laughs> exactly. But, you know, that brings up a good point, what you said there, because, you know, Heidi, it's one thing for you to empower your team and say, you do have this ability. But it's totally different when Jason, the director of safety and security, comes in and gives his authority to them. Uh, yeah. When I go and teach, whenever I instruct, if I can, if I can get the head pastor or the, or the senior pastor to introduce me first to the group, what that does is transfer his authority or the pulpit to me. And so people are paying more attention to the to the conversation I'm having with them. So, you know, it's a psychological thing, too. So that that is absolutely perfect. I'm glad you brought that up. That's good. 
So, okay, I want to get into this, to seven ideas to promote safe and secure fall and, and winter special events. And I'm going to take it from a, an actual event type of planning and, and go through those kind of steps like that. So if you all are paying attention at home, we'll also put those up there for you. So you don't have to scribble your notes as I'm talking. And Jason and Heidi, if you want to jump in at any point, um, as I'm going through these, please do and share your, you know, your personal take on this as well. Uh, so number one would be assess, assess the venue suitability. Can we, the event that we're trying to have a trunk or treat, can we even have it here? Do we have the space? Do we have the parking lot? Uh, do we have the workforce size that, that can accommodate this? Uh, what is the duration of the event? You know, this is the type of pre-planning where we all sit down. Everybody that's going to be a stakeholder uh, in this or anybody who's going to be responsible for anything in this event, we all come together and whiteboard uh, these type of things. What is the, you know, we need, we need to know definitely the time and season we're having this. And then what are the existing hazards that we have? Uh, do we have an adjacent uh, high occupancy roadway that we have to accommodate and make sure nobody goes that area? Um, do we have some construction on our campus? Whatever it is, we have to, whatever the existing hazards we have, we have to accommodate those too. And this is again where we throw ideas out there about uh, everything in the pre-planning. What and, and we want to kind of reverse engineer this as well. We want to, what does good look like? What does a great event look like for us? And then we backwards plan that in, in this initial stage. So we assess the suitability for the venue's location. Right. I would get as many people as possible around that table at that meeting. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, for historical data reasons and and uh, just different eyes and thoughts on it as well. You know, we've had this before and here's some of the problems, all those type of things. Uh, this is a great learning environment where we get all of our problems known and made known to everybody that is responsible for making the event great. Absolutely. So every event, just like you have a risk assessment for your church, every particular event should have its own risk assessment. If we're going to be injecting new kids, uh, unchurched kids, uh, we're having a different style of our campus where it's more of an open campus. Uh, those type of things should be done with a risk assessment individual for that event. I, you know, I talk about risk assessments uh, quite a bit here at Protectors Toolkit because they're so vitally important to our overall success. When we're doing a risk assessment for uh, this individual event, whether it's a trunk or treat, uh, it's a feast of sharing or something like that, uh, or a Christmas uh, a play, something going on, we measure the frequency. How often could something occur? And then we measure the impact. What would it, what would happen if it did occur? So we look at the frequency of, a, of the number of people coming through our venue. What is the potential frequency that someone could get kidnapped? A kid could get kidnapped. And then what is the impact of that event if it did occur? And that allows us then to put more time, energy, and maybe even money and resources into preventing that. Uh, to mitigate as much as possible with that. Uh, some of the things that we think that we need to think about, obviously, is equipment. We uh, we don't want people electrocuted, uh, especially during the fall and the winter events. Uh, we definitely don't want that. We, If we're moving lights around, we want to double check that they're secure, there's safety wires involved, uh, all that kind of stuff that we sometimes kind of forget about. The AV guys, we want to, if we're doing safety and security, it's, it's holistic. It's not just siloed, right? Uh, crowd management, we plan for that. And what type of crowds have we seen in the past? What type of crowds are we advertising to currently? And what is our expectation? So we backwards plan there. What is the expectation as far as the number of attendees? And then from there, we build our staff and, and make sure we build in safety into our staff. It does no good to have 100 staff there as far as safety and security elements, and you've never trained them to the plan. 
and let them know what success looks like. So we make sure that we train them because uh, they should also be helping you with your risk assessment. If they're going to be responsible for making sure that everything goes well, then they should also be there in the planning stages so they understand the whole plan as it's being uh, outlaid there. Obviously, first aid, we, we can't say enough about uh, enough stuff about first aid. You do want to, if, if you're gonna pull some events outside, then we stage our first aid outside. Uh, most of your first aid equipment, whether it's an AED or a trauma bag, it should be within three minutes of the patient. That's a minute and a half there and a minute and a half back. So make sure you're planning for that as well when you're doing the initial risk assessment. Do we need to add more first aid kits? Would this be a good time to inventory our first aid kits? Do we need to add another AED in this location? Uh, are we having more than more people than we can accommodate with the current first aid that we have? And maybe we want to have some EMS on standby. Whatever that is, it goes into the planning stages right here. Children, obviously, go ahead. Control kits too. We've talked about that. I think that that's something we just implemented. It's not only because of an active threat. It can be any number of things. We had an incident five months ago where a guy was hit in our church parking lot and it required a tourniquet and we had that to the spot in 45 seconds. Yeah. Right. Yep. There's yeah. You know, you know, from law enforcement, uh, the quicker we can uh, stop some bleeding, the more lives we're, we're saving just by having tourniquets on every officer's belt nowadays, we're saving 60% more lives. So, um, and you saw from the, the sheriff shooting, you know, how quickly she applied that tourniquet to her partner definitely saved his life too. Yep. Uh, children, uh, you know, we're going to inject a ton of children in the, into these type of events, especially a trunk or treat. I mean, listen, if you're giving out free candy, I know I'm going to be there and all, all my kids are going to be there. So we're going to inject a lot of kids into our campus. And that's what we want. We want those win events like that. We want kids to come over because sometimes kids can be the difference between a family being churched and unchurched. Uh, they can just be persistent enough and saying, I want to go back to that location. I had such a good time, such a good experience. So we want to make sure we're accounting and accommodating for uh, for, chi for children. And Heidi has already called this out. We get the children's ministry involved with our safety and security planning. It's just a no-brainer. These people are professional observers. They know everything about children. If you want to know something about a kid, you go to the children's ministry. And then give them the resources to make sure that they can have capability and ability to affect for, uh, your plan. Okay? We accommodate for weather as much as possible, but God being God is gonna do what God does. Uh, so we try to do it as much as possible, but some from forecasting, I don't know any other job on the planet where you can be as bad at it as you are and still maintain your job as a meteorologist. I just don't know. Uh, but we try to plan as much as possible with weather forecasting. We look at historical events during those same timelines as well. And hopefully that gets us uh, where we need to be as far as weather. And then fire, obviously, uh, that speaks for itself. We wanna have fire extinguishers, um, you know, quite frankly, that's what I say about a safety and security team. A safety and security team is like a fire extinguisher. Very, very pretty and handsome to look at, but you hope you never have to use it, right? Um, we make sure we have them. They're charged up. They're in the right locations. If we have something outside, like a live nativity, we have a fire extinguisher out there. Is it a potential uh, for fire and there's some people out there? Then we have a fire extinguisher. We have the, the necessary safety tools out there. So risk assessment was uh, number number two in there. Uh, number three, I think is a big one for churches, and Jason knows this as well. Let your local law enforcement know you're having an event. If you, amen. Amen. Yeah. if you expect them to be there, like on site, if you are encouraging that, let them know about two months in advance because they have a lot of things going on, especially nowadays if you're paying attention. 
So let them know months in advance if you want them to physically be there. Now, the other ways you get law enforcement to your event, free food. I'll say that one more time for those in the back, free food. That gets us there. We'll be there. It's not just donuts. Offer something other than donuts. Some of us don't eat donuts. All right. Mocha and bagels. There you go. <laughs> coffee, free coffee, snacks, something that's easy to take and put in a pocket if they do have to leave. Make it make it easy for them to get into your location and hang out for a little while. And you get some you get some professionals there that are trained observers as well. And they will recognize the criminal element and maybe a lot sooner than you will. So invite your local law enforcement sheriffs, constables, all that kind of stuff. Um, give them about a two week notice if you're just saying, hey, we want you to stop by. We've got some free food for your guys, your shift or whatever. Get with the shift lieutenant, the shift sergeant about two weeks out, then about a week out. Remind them. And then about one day out, remind them again, because look, we have a lot of stuff going on nowadays in the law enforcement world. So the more you can remind us, the more you can be in the front of our mind, the better it is, the better chances are we're going to come to your event. And again, free food for those in the back who may not have heard it yet. You know, the, the other thing on that is just the community connection. I used to have a fire truck and two police cars out mm -hmm. at the community egg hunt I did. Why did you have to bring the fire truck into this? <laughs> and hey, they, they need heroes too. <laughs> they loved they loved handing out stickers as much as we loved handing out Easter eggs. And what we realized, especially down here, I mean, we're 14 miles from Mexico. There's a lot of inner city kids who have never interacted positively with a police officer. And for many of them, that was their first engagement where it was it was good. So, I mean, that's really good for them, too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The more you can get the, you know, the story. <laughs> Fire truck in there. At least let me just. <laughs> Don't you have someone considering being a firefighter in your family? Yes, we do. Oh gosh, he's in the other room. I'm gonna pray for you, brother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can't all just sit around. Yeah. Always says in these moments, "Hey, nobody send no letters or emails chastising <laughs> a couple of former cop and a current cop." All right, let's move on now. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into some of this. <laughs> okay. So have an emergency plan. This goes without saying, but I think I need to say it sometimes is we need to have an emergency plan for this specific event. It's not a good enough to just have your church emergency plan. This is a specific event, specific type of community event that people are going to come to our church. The numbers are going to be different. The uh, access to our church and our campus is going to be different. So we have to have an emergency plan for that specific event. Don't just uh, blanket your emergency planning into this. You get a specific emergency plan. It can be very similar, but you have to have a plan that is specific for this type of event, these type of customers that we're going to be experiencing. And then most importantly, everybody that is uh, responsible for good things happening, you make sure they understand what the emergency plan is. There should be no guessing on the day of, it should be drilled into the heads, it should be clearly understood if this happens. We, a lot of times in the emergency planning, we do a lot of if this, then that. If this were to happen, then we're going to do that. And it's the easiest way to do some emergency planning and train your staff. Just go through those type of things that they could potentially experience. Uh, lost kids. We, if this happens, then we're going to do that because we, what we want to do is program the brain. The body can't perform if the brain's never been programmed, right? The body can't perform if the brain has never been programmed. You're just asking people to grab things out of the air. No. So we program the brain ahead of time. If this, then that, and then we get the right performance out of them in that regard. Um, it will be vitally important that you train all your team members to your emergency plan, because while they may know it for the church during normal events, 
they're not going to remember it for the specific event unless you have talked them through it and made them repeat some things back to you to make sure they have uptake uh, they have uptake of the information and you program their brain for that all right uh, we want to make sure that our event staff obviously follow safety and security this goes back to Heidi's point as um, if, if we're asking one person to do it, then all have to participate in it. Just because we have a plan doesn't mean just you're a staff member, you don't have to follow the plan. Now, if we have safety and security, it's safety and security for all. If we have kid check-in and check-out, it's check-in and check-out for all. You don't, you're not special just because you're on staff. We all play by the same rules for the same reasons Heidi explained. We don't want to isolate people. We don't want to make the first newcomers feel like uh, they're not as good as us. Uh, that can turn people away. People are already looking for enough reasons not to come to church. We don't need to give it to them. Okay. Uh, we want to create checklists. Wherever we need a checklist, wherever, wherever we want to remove doubt, we should have a checklist. Easy enough to laminate it. Someone can ready reference it right there. Whatever they need to be checking off on their checklist to make sure their uh, their piece of the puzzle is good, to give it to them. Make sure they understand. And, they, and, and we take out guesswork. We give them checklists to help out with things like that. We put signs where signs need to be, not only for uh, customers, but for the staff as well. It's easy for us to gesture and show people, okay, go over to this location, follow the orange squares, follow the purple squares, whatever it is, make make sure we're making it easy for people to operate within our safety and security system that we've put together. Make sure, this is something that I see a lot of churches try to do, and I don't know why they try to do this. We hide our safety and security measures. I don't understand. Camera shots and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I can look up and see a camera. I don't know what it's necessarily seeing. Same thing with your safety and security team members. I understand we want to be out of sight and out of mind, but if the, if the wolf is there, if the, if the lion is there uh, coming to devour us, as we're told, then I want him to see me ahead of time. I want him to know that we're onto him. I want him to know that we're going to do something about it. If you start something, we're going to give that good, aggressive hospitality to these type of people. We want, by being visual in our safety and security roles, and, and with our plans, we, we're not going to give away the, the farm, so to speak. We're not giving everything away, but we are going to be a great deterrent because our job is to prevent things from happening. That is the role of safety and security, prevention. We want to prevent as much as possible. We do that by being highly visible. That's why we put police cars out front of our church. We want to know. We want them to know if you came here, you came to the wrong location. And we are visible on our team as well. So we make sure that, we, uh, that we're doing that. We don't need to hide things under a bushel. We don't need to. Uh, it, a lot of times, it, there's a story I remember. There was a church that did an event, and they had a metal detector, and they tried to put it, make it look like a bush. Well, you had all these people that showing up to the metal detector with guns and knives and things they should have brought through the metal detector. Had they known there was a metal detector, a lot of that stuff wouldn't be slowing down your flow of traffic because they would have left it in their car or wherever they came from. So we don't we don't disguise our security. There will be probably some rovers in there uh, who are unmarked, so to speak. But by and large, we if these type of events, we want to be visible as a safety and security team member because people are going to come up to us and the people that aren't there for good reasons are going to recognize us and hopefully turn away and we prevented an incident from happening. We also want to plan to be extra friendly to new faces. And this goes back to the aggressive hospitality. These people that are coming to do ill will or visit harm upon us, they will stand out. Like I said, like they're cut, they've been colored with a highlighter or they have their own personal spotlight. They will stand out. They won't have the right countenance. They won't be dressed the right way and they probably won't have the right posture. 
So if you're watching for all those three things, the posture, the countenance, and the manner that they're dressed, you can detect these things that are coming against us and want to visit harm upon the group of people that are there. So watch that and then give them some really aggressive, friendly uh, hospitality. Hi, how are you, brother? If you reach your hand out to shake someone's hand, or a fist bump in the in the COVID area or an elbow bump, then if they don't give you something in return, that is what we call a clue in law enforcement. Watch for that person, watch for those type of behaviors, and they will stand out themselves. They will mark themselves for you. You'll see the people who are flowing in and look like they want to be there and have a good time. Those ones who aren't there for a good time, they will stand out to you. And we need to have a plan and empower everybody that is responsible for this, for, for good events, that we empower them to make sure that we can give the aggressive hospitality or we have the capability and ability to get someone on the radio that can engage with that person and give them the right amount of hospitality for our event. Anything else to add there, Jason or Heidi? No, I one of the things that I would, I would quickly point out is, uh, I think a lot of times we're afraid that we're gonna offend somebody, so we don't take that aggressive hospitality piece. Mm -hmm. And uh, families that are coming in, whether they're new families or families that are there every week, um, they they want to know that you have this stuff in place. They yeah. want to know that when they drop their kiddos off, that their that area is going to be safe and protected. And so, you know, I remember we went and visited a church uh, years ago, and it was while I was still in law enforcement. And Heidi had checked in, and both of our boys were young at the time, and so she walked right through, and I'm putzing around, not paying a lot of attention, and she was wanting to go and audit and check out the kids' space. Well, I went to try to catch up, and there's two dudes that immediately stopped me and said, "Oh, sorry, sir." Uh, your kid, you have kids? I'm like, well, yeah, they're, uh, <laughs> and at first I was like, what do you, and then I was like, oh yeah, that's the way it should be. Yeah. And that's, right. that little incident right there has always stuck out in my mind and it's stuff that she trains all the time with her staff. Um, and so for those families that are new coming in, they want to see that kind of stuff in place. Mm -hmm. So that just kind of supports what you were just pointing out. Yeah. I think the only thing I would add to it is, you know, as you're, as you're training, we talked about calling on whether you're the kids person or the safety person calling on the other ministries to train together. That's a big deal. I know that during the COVID stuff, we've had all this extra time and I've tried to get my team training on things that we hope we never encounter. So the sex trafficking um, awareness, uh, the mandated reporting stuff, stuff that you hope you never see in your ministry. I think there's a lot of sweet people who come forward to serve and they are shocked that that stuff even happens in our world. But because of that, they have no idea how to look for it. And right. so just, just making sure that you are prepared for kind of the worst and you hope that you never have to use it. Yeah, that's absolutely a great call out. Yeah. So to both of you, to the Hensleys, to Jason, to Heidi, I am so blessed and honored uh, that you would join me tonight here on Warrior Wednesday. I, I, I know our, our viewers have been blessed uh, to hear from you all. Uh, and I want to encourage all of our warriors out there. It doesn't matter that you're you're not a mega church. It doesn't matter uh, that you don't have 10,000 people th flowing through your doors in your campus and you have multiple buildings. What matters is that you do what you can do and follow the right procedures for you and empower your staff to do the right things in these fall and these winter events. It, they are unique events and they need to be treated that way. So I'm so thankful uh, again to Heidi and Jason for being here. I love you both and, I, and I'm sure we'll be talking soon. So thank you all uh, very much for being here tonight. For you warriors out there, I want to give a special shout out to Caleb Coates, Ray Coates, man. 
you are knocking it out of the park for, for uh, Protectors Toolkit, brother. You bless my heart like no other. I see you every day commenting and giving some ideas and some tips and, and just giving uh, heart emojis and stuff like this. So, brother, thank you so much. If we had a warrior uh, of the month, you would be it, brother. So thank you, Raycoats, for being there. Uh, if you're new here, don't forget to hit the like and the share button. Uh, make sure you go over to our YouTube page if you're going to if you're going to watch this again. Uh, go to our YouTube page and hit that subscribe button down at the bottom and hit and sign up for notifications. So when we have new videos like this, you get those notifications. You can watch them uh, quick, fast, and easy. If you have not been to the membership site, this is the bread and butter of Protectors Toolkit. Please go to the membership site. There is no obligation. Uh, use promo code Warrior Wednesday promo code warrior Wednesday uh, to get your first month for only $10. Get in there. Some of the best things we have uh, in this ministry are in there in the membership site. And then you get immediate access to the membership Facebook group. That's a members only Facebook group where we share a lot of other tips uh, and tactics in there as well. Speaking of that, for you warriors, you insiders, you people are already in the membership group. Tomorrow, brand new hip pocket training is going to drop. If you want to know what that is, you got to be a member. So hip pocket Training is going to share this video far and wide with churches and people that do protect in protecting others. Uh, share it far and wide with people if you can be blessed with this. Don't forget our Word in a Weapon podcast. Podcast number two is up in there. It is a word from the Bible, something that meant something to me during that week or that day. And I give you my thoughts on it, and then I give you a weapon, something you can take around in your day to day walk as a Christian, uh, as a warrior, uh, that you can use. Use a ready reference or, or a guide or a tool you can put on your tool belt or your toolkit. It's maybe something you may have to pick up one day to bless somebody and let them know Jesus. Um, don't forget, book your 2021 trainings now. Our calendars are filling up. Uh, we can only do so many a month. Your live in-person trainings, whether you want risk assessments at your church with training for your team specifically, you want one-day workshops, basic training workshops, you want one-day uh, tactics, or, or you want a two-day firearms class. Get those books. Uh, booked with us right now at protectorstoolkit.com. And don't forget, Warriors, as I always say.